This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. We begin our weekend program with Mayan Huffman, joining us from Jerusalem, Israel's capital city. Mayan Huffman is head of strategy for the Jerusalem Post Group based in Jerusalem. She is the former news editor of JPost.com, an American-Israeli journalist since 1995. Mayan served as editor-in-chief of the Baltimore Jewish Times and managing editor of the Kansas City Jewish Chronicle. And indeed, Mayan, we thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable from Jerusalem this morning. Good morning, Mayan. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Via broadcast news, Mayan, we've been hearing the sirens sounding in Tel Aviv, Beersheba, Ashkelon, and even the capital city of Jerusalem as millions of Israelis rush to bomb shelters. On Thursday, a military wing of Hamas said it fired a rocket towards Ramon Airport in southern Israel. And uh, the Iranian-backed terror groups Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad have fired over 1,000 rockets from Gaza. Mayan, what is the state of security within the Jewish state of Israel? And could you bring us up to speed on the impact of these rockets from Gaza targeting civilian populations in Israel? Uh, Sure. You know, unfortunately, really for the last week, we've had a huge escalation. Uh, More rockets fired in a couple of days than we've ever seen, over 1,400 rockets. More than 100 of those rockets were fired at Tel Aviv and Eilat today alone. Uh, Hamas also launched some suicide drones and is really um, stepping up its efforts to make Israel feel that it is under siege. Two-thirds of the Israeli population has been under threat, running to, as you mentioned, bomb shelters in order to be secure. Many of those rockets are being fired in the middle of the night so nobody can sleep, and it's been um, just a real challenge over here, to say the least. Right, Mayan, and all these rockets are coming from the Gaza Strip. Uh, the Gaza Strip is a Palestinian territory of some 140 square miles and 2 million people, which has been controlled by Islamist militant group Hamas since 2007. Hamas has been listed as a terrorist organization by the United States, Canada, European Union, and Japan. And according to the recent European Union report, it says over 80% of the population is now aid dependent. Gazans are trapped in a cycle of poverty, unemployment, and food insecurity. They have limited access to basic services such as safe water, electricity, and medical care, and few educational or economic opportunities. Well, in our private conversations that Joel and I had with independent journalists who were visiting Gaza in previous years, they all expressed that the local population is terrorized by the Hamas and suffering under rampant corruption, which led to humanitarian crisis. Hamas has been funded by Iran's regime, and instead of spending funding on the basic needs, they are funding the never-ending conflict. Mayan, there should be the realization that Hamas slash Iran is a common enemy here, enemy to Palestinians living in Gaza, enemy to Israel, 
America and Arab states. Marian, what are the obstacles in publicly recognizing this fact? Yeah, you know, it's actually really striking because one of the things that we're seeing here is that if you look at international media, the majority of the media is calling Israel the aggressor here. And Hamas, as you mentioned, is an internationally recognized terrorist organization. This is not the first time that we have seen rockets come out of Gaza being launched by Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hamas toward Israeli civilians. Um, remember that they're shooting these rockets only towards civilian targets. They're not, um, you know, in a battle against our military. In contrast, when we go into Gaza, when Israel goes into Gaza, though civilians are sometimes killed, and that's a huge tragedy, we are aiming to take down the terrorist infrastructure. The obstacle to seeing it is really uncanny at this point, after almost 20 years of them having this terrorist regime ruling the area. We've seen they do in, in terms of coronavirus. You can look in the last year. They did not have the ability to take care of their own people, despite humanitarian aid being let in. And now I think we're seeing sort of what happened with some of the supplies that have been delivered to Gaza over the years. They've been building rockets and rocket launchers, making more sophisticated their capabilities of attacking Israel rather than taking care of their own people. In a piece you wrote this past week, Mayan, titled Biden Failed the Israeli-Palestinian Rocket and Ryan Test. In fact, uh, let me just quote this very briefly. I quote, The policies of the Biden administration have inadvertently contributed to the lethal round of hostilities in Israel and Gaza, some Israeli analysts claimed on Wednesday. Unquote. Mayan, what are the observations of leaders within Israel of the Biden administration and the recent deployment of a special envoy, a lower-level U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of State? And apparently he's a Deputy Assistant Secretary for Israel and Palestinian Affairs Bureau of Near Eastern Affairs. What do you make of this? Yeah, you know, it's actually quite uh, disappointing what we're seeing from the Biden administration. Um, even today, you know, there's talk of both sides de-escalating when the reality is that we are not escalating. The, the issue is, of course, that we are being attacked. Our civilians are being attacked. Now, we do have to differentiate between what we are seeing on the street in Israel and what we are seeing in terms of the rockets. But when we talk about rockets, being, again, launched, thousands of rockets being launched into Israel. Um, we are talking about a terrorist organization attacking civilians. And there is no equilibrium there. There is no way that it's not comparable. Um, you can't say Israel de-escalate, Hamas de-escalate. They're not equivalent entities. Now, let's talk about what the Biden administration has done to allow Hamas or to enable Hamas to believe that they could get away with this. Since Joe Biden has taken office, since he's become president, going back already to February, which is only, you know, a month after his active duty, he made a decision to lift the designation of the Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen as a, a global terrorist organization. Now, there was nothing that he asked in return for that move. And as a result, that, of course, sent a message to the entire Middle East to other terrorist organizations that they would be able to potentially achieve what they wanted, also without having to give anything in return. But it got even worse because he agreed to refund the Palestinian Authority, to refund UNRWA, again, without asking asking for anything in return. And of course, you know, there was the issue at the ICC, the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Um, they want to look into investigate Israel for war crimes in Gaza, which we have our own independent uh, ability to do that. So it's a misplaced investigation. Uh, nonetheless, Fatou Ben Souda is supposed to retire sometime in the next month. And uh, the Biden administration decided to lift the sanctions on her, when in reality, again, he could have asked, the administration could have asked that she say she would not investigate Israel and she would 
leave that to our successor, um, but that did not happen either. Um, and as a result, you know, we sort of, there's a feeling here that uh, anything goes under the Biden administration, that he is once again, um, as we, you know, look back to the Obama administration empowering terrorists rather than stopping them. And um, we are concerned. Sending the delegate from the United States to Israel, you know, of course, always welcome for somebody to come, any international authority to help to bring peace. We want peace. This is not a question that we want to have an escalation. Um, at the same time, um, will this person be effective? There is a lot of uh, analysts that will tell you no. Again, he, he is lower level, but not even that. His background is one um, from what we were reading about that is uh, definitely one-sided um, and uh, against Israel. And in addition to that, Joe Biden hasn't built clout yet in the Middle East, you know, or with Israel. He had uh, was slow to call the prime minister after he uh, took office. And uh, it's unclear that Israel is necessarily going to be open to listen to the de-escalation at this point um, in time. Mayan, you rightfully mentioned the Biden administration. The Biden administration is very weak and incompetent in addressing foreign policy challenges. The Biden administration is negotiating with Iran, designated by the U.S. State Department as a state sponsor of terrorism and a major financial backer of Hamas. So Iran can be using Hamas to strengthen its own negotiating position. And it also appears that Biden is on a mission to dismantle the Trump administration's successful policies, and especially in the Middle East. Biden is loath to admit the success of the Abraham Accords and the Trump administration bringing Israel and Arab nations together to build peace in the Middle East. We would encourage our listeners to read the Abraham Accords Declaration, which was signed by Israel, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan during the Trump administration, and which, among others, says, I quote, We seek to end radicalization and conflict to provide all children a better future. We pursue a vision of peace, security, and prosperity in the Middle East and around the world. End of quote. Mayan, what are your thoughts about Abraham Accords at this critical stage? Wow, it's such a good question. And actually, this is the first and really too soon of a test for these Abraham Accords. Um, I don't think anybody, I think everyone knew that this would happen, that there would be an escalation and that would test that peace. But I think nobody really prepared for it. And I can tell you from speaking to colleagues in Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates that there is a, a lot of, um, it's very tense right now, let's say, that it's uh, they, they stand behind the Accords, of course. Um, but you can look on social media, you know, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you can see um, many of the people in these uh, communities stand, quote unquote, standing with the Palestinians. Um, I spoke to one ambassador today, I won't mention her name, who, um, you know, said that, you know, she doesn't want to be, um, have her name mentioned right now with Jerusalem. I mean, I think there is a real concern that this could rock the peace that we have achieved over the past year, especially again, because of how it is being construed in the international media. When you look at what happened on the Temple Mount, when we see images of police police officers up there shooting rubber bullets, stepping on paramounts, it's unacceptable behavior, and it's something that shouldn't have happened. But we also have to take a step back and understand why police officers were up on the Temple Mount. And Hamas had sent activists to come and to pray during Ramadan. We almost every year have an escalation during Ramadan. And when they sent them, you know, to, to escalate, they sent them to provocate um, against Israel. And um, therefore, we had a response. Whether it was disproportionate, again, that is 
something definitely to be discussed. But without question, um, there's also an issue going on between Hamas and Fatah that nobody is talking about. There were supposed to be Palestinian elections. The Palestinian elections, as we all know, were canceled. Um, the main reason they were canceled was that Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas understood that there was a very strong chance that Hamas would, quote unquote, win the elections and be able to take on a much more stronger role in the West Bank. The elections were canceled. Hamas is very angry about this. And a lot of the escalation you're seeing is actually Hamas showing its strength vis-a-vis Fatah and has little to do with the state of Israel. In fact, as we look at what's transpiring in Israel, what can Israel's allies do, Mayan? And what is the message from Israelis to American citizens and legislators that are sending American taxpayer funds to Gaza and the Palestinian Authority with Hamas and other terrorist groups then sending rockets to Israel, terrorizing Israelis in their Jewish homeland? Well, first of all, I think it should go without saying if we want to just take it one at a time, you know, with regards to funding. um, There is a Taylor Force Act in America, which says that money cannot go to fund terrorism. And so if Hamas is getting funds that are then being used to send rockets to Israel, the funding needs to stop. That is number one. Uh, Number two, there's also a policy of pay for slay going on in the Palestinian Authority, still uh, paying for terrorists who are carrying out attacks against Israel. And that funding also needs to stop. So refunding the Palestinian Authority when it has not ceased these practices is highly problematic and lawmakers should keep that in mind. Um, With regards to what our American advocates can do and the activists in America, number one I actually would say is take to social media. It is striking what you are seeing on the social media challenge channels and the best way to combat fake news and misinformation is to launch a counter campaign and tell the truth about what is going on here in Israel. Um, So I would encourage anybody who knows the truth, feels passionately about protecting the state of Israel and its, and its citizens, who again are under attack, two-thirds of citizens under rocket attack, take to social media, go on TikTok, make your own video, and tell people the truth about what's really going on. We're joined by Mayan Huffman from Jerusalem, Israel's capital city. She's the head of strategy for the Jerusalem Post Group based in the city of Jerusalem. She's a former news editor of jpost.com. Mayan, thank you so much for taking time Uh, from Israel and joining us on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. Thank you, Maya, and stay safe. Thank you very much. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Serdorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.